For people who were traumatized as kids, real, mutual love can be hard to find and hard to appreciate when you actually have it. But the need for love and for joy in your life is always there. And this is the little crack in reality where limerence gets in. Limerence is obsession or infatuation with someone you can't have. And it's more than a crush. It's an addictive escape thought that you go to and that you might be using to not deal with the loneliness and lack of joy and purpose in your life. You need love and joy and purpose. And when you can't get them or you can't feel what's right in front of you, limerence drives you to try to fill yourself up with the fantasy of someone. And it feels sweet and exciting at first, but it always turns to misery. So my letter today is from a woman I'll call Sarika, and she writes, Hi Anna, I've been following your channel for some time and it's helped me a lot. My story, I'm a homemaker, 43, and this year my husband's been on bed rest for nearly two months due to sciatica pain and a slipped disc. We hired a therapist and chiropractor for his treatment who would visit him every day at home. He came for nearly two months, treated him completely, and now my husband attends his yoga classes. I seem to have formed a very close bond with the therapist in these two months. Feel so grateful for his help as I was getting burned out with the constant caretaking. In my times of extreme distress, it was so refreshing to have someone come every day, do his work diligently, try to cheer us up with his great sense of humor. I was at a very low point in my life as I'm also recovering from chronic back pain. After a month or so, I was very much attracted to him, though I knew it was inappropriate. I'm married, and he is married with kids, and though he is very polite, charming, and respectful, he has very clear boundaries and never crossed the line. My problem is how do I teach myself to stop thinking about him and move on with my life? He suggested I too join his classes for my back pain, but I haven't because I would be more interested in talking to him, knowing more about him than learning yoga. My husband is a nice and kind man and going to him for his obesity treatment. He is 270 pounds and it would take three to four years to lose 60 to 90 of those pounds. I'm a supportive wife and fully supporting him on this journey, but of late, we seem to have some distance between us because of work pressure and health issues. Sometimes I feel very lonely going through all this alone. Due to my back pain for the last four to five years, I've come in and out of depression many times. I feel so tempted to join his classes so that I can see him again. His positive aura and lighthearted nature seem to distract me from my current state and make me happier. Is this limerence or just an infatuation? I know I won't join because it's not the right thing to do, but I think of him every day and bless him for helping my husband recover. I wish we could be friends, but there's no scope for that as he only comes in my locality to work and the only relation we can have is a professional one with a therapist. I know I can't have him, but still long to meet him. About my childhood, I did not lack in any material needs except for the fact that my parents were narcissistic and were highly ambitious and following their respective careers, progressing very well, but no time for the kids. I was neglected and left to tend to my emotional needs alone. Bunch of circles there. Uh, to date, I look for my happiness in other people. I don't know how to be happy myself. 
The journey ahead has become very lonely. How do I bring myself out of this and forget this man who can offer me nothing except his professional services? I know this and still I'm drawn to him. It's affecting my well-being. Please help, Sarika. Okay, Sarika, I gotcha. I think we can help you. So I went through and I circled some things I wanna come back to. All right, your husband's been on bed rest for nearly two months um, because of sciatica and slip disc. And I, I just, I had a friend go through this recently and oh my gosh, it was so hard for the family because he couldn't work and he, he, could, he needed so much help and he couldn't contribute to anything around the house. And his mind was very preoccupied with the pain that he was in and what was gonna happen and why couldn't the doctor find out what was wrong? You know, just the things that people go through when they have something like that. And he tried everything and it did. It took a couple of months and it eventually cleared up. And here's your husband who has a physical therapist coming to visit um, throughout the week. And now he's gone off to yoga classes. So I'm very happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear your husband is able to get up and be mobile and go and do yoga. That's, a hap that's happy news. And then I hear you about this other part that, well, you told me at the end here that you were neglected and you were left to tend your own emotional needs. And somehow I suspect that's what's going on right now, that your emotional needs have gone off by the wayside. Maybe they tend to be out of focus for your husband and for you most of the time, but now with him on bed rest, I bet you weren't getting what you needed. And so the, the need and the hunger for that became greater. People who become limerent, and I think it is limerent, um, it's, you know, obsession or infatuation with someone you can't have. And that's exactly what this is. And you're thinking about him and, you know, perhaps looking for signs. I love your realism that you're just clear. He's not giving you signs. He doesn't cross the line. It wouldn't be good to go see him. But let's look at the limerence. You know, the, your limerence is a sign that you are lacking in joy and meaning and connection in your life. And I don't mean to trivialize it. But limerence only happens for people whose lives are kind of empty at the time. And there's also a genetic component, it turns out. I was very interested to read that. You know, it's almost always childhood neglect is a, is a precursor. So you put those three together and you have a perfect storm. And it's very difficult. So, and then he comes in, he's like this helper. He makes everything cheerful. He puts things back in order. And the despair and disconnection and burden of, of what you're going through right now, he comes in and makes it lighter for you. How wonderful that must be. How could, I, I get it, like how could you help but fall for somebody who brings that goodness, sort of like a, a Mary Poppins man, <laughs> you know, who just comes in and puts it together. You remember Mary Poppins? Those kids were neglected. The kids were working all the time. And she came in and paid close attention and brought order and joy and magic to the house, right? And I would just say, I think that's sort of the energy that you're in need of right now. So the heart will attach to whoever presents themselves sometimes. And this is not somebody who can, who can really give it to you. I really zeroed in here how you said how you're supportive and you're supporting him on his journey. But there's distance now because of work pressure and health issues. And maybe it's there, but you didn't mention it. But does your husband support you? Is he able to support you and care about what you need and care about when you feel lonely and when you feel a little lost or you're not finding meaning in your life? Is he able to do that? I hope so. I hope so. But I, I totally understand that when he's laid up with the, with the injury, he couldn't do it. I just want to put something out there about back pain. I don't know. I don't know what's up with your back pain. But 
There's a book that really, really helped me with mine, um, and it's called Heal Your Back Pain, and it's by Dr. Sarno, S-A-R-N-O. And the premise there is that if you have chronic pain for more than six weeks, and doctors and x-rays or scans can't really find a source for it, maybe they have, I don't know. You didn't say whether they have, but if it's gone on for this long and you haven't ended up with surgery or anything, perhaps, Perhaps it's one of those things, mysterious origin, but it just goes on and on. So the Sarno book, and it, he has more books that go on to explain, you can sometimes apply this to all kinds of things like chronic headaches and um, wounds that won't heal and certain chronic health problems, that it's anger and anxiety. There's anger and anxiety. And I first learned about this book when I worked in an office um, with a group of people, I had known them for years, and we all would have staff meetings every week, and they always used to have to stand during the staff meeting because their backs hurt. And one day they came in and they said, did you notice we're both sitting at the table? <laughs> and we were like, oh yeah, you're sitting at the table. What's up with that? And they said, well, we read this book, and we didn't want to admit it to you, but first one of the people read it, then they passed it quietly to the other person, and both of them within three days recovered from their pain and it was better. And I read the book, I was very interested and I had overcome my own back pain by the time I read the book but I took note of it because I had a lot of problems with asthma and migraines. And I tend to get migraines when, my, when I have a lot of anxiety and anger. When I feel overwhelmed I will tend to get migraines very easily. And when I started using this idea, and the idea of the book, I really encourage you to read it in case this applies to you. But the idea of the book is that you don't even have to solve what's making you angry or anxious. You merely have to acknowledge, I have a lot of anger and anxiety. I don't want to take it out on my body anymore. So I tried it. I tried it. I had a chronic knee condition. They told me I'd never run, and it just went away. I got up and I ran. I have other things that I couldn't make go away. Some things, there's an actual injury there, and that, I don't know, that may be the case with your back, but if, if they can't find the origin, sometimes it's this. And it can be hard to admit sometimes, but I love that you don't have to actually know. You know, why do I have this? What am I gonna do about it? You don't have to know, you just have to acknowledge it's there and then relief comes. So I took this book very seriously when after I had had a series of surgeries, 14 major surgeries, and they kept not working. I will, t I will talk about it someday on this channel, but I had a serious medical complication from the first surgery, and it led to more and more very complicated, complex, painful, sometimes life-threatening surgeries. And they kept saying, we just don't know why you can't heal. And I, among the things I did to try to heal that, because they kept saying, you know, for whatever reason we fix, we stitch everything together and blood flow won't go there. Well, now we know that's a trauma thing, Sarika, is not, you know, your body not being able to perform the regular healing functions of moving fluids and cells and blood and, um, you know, antibodies and things where they are needed. That trauma, the dysregulation of past trauma can interfere with that process. And so I now would say I think that's what happened. I was somaticizing a great deal of anger and stress around my divorce of my first marriage and the fear I had about how I was going to somehow support two, two little kids all by myself and make it in the world. I'm here to say I made it. I made it. And it, it ended up okay, but you can imagine how scared I was and angry. I just went ahead and acknowledged it. And I did a number of things at that time. I will talk about it sometime. 
But my healing finally took place after two years after the last surgery. And they said, there's no, nothing more we can do. You're stuck like this. And I had to have all these like, you know, medical devices and things to cope and to survive. And all of that is gone now. I healed spontaneously when I really dealt with all the anger and shame and fear that I had. And so this is always possible. If it can't cure what the underlying condition is, it still can make life so much happier. And I encourage you to do that. I think you need happiness, Sarika. This, this just sounds like a hard grind right now. I agree with you. I don't think it's a good idea to go to his class. I think you should go to a class though. And if you live in an area where there's a different yoga class to go where he is not, and to go be with other people who are doing something positive and healing in their lives, like doing yoga, whatever sort of class is exciting and gives you joy, whether it's like dance or a book club or you know, some sort of a knitting club or a quilting club or something where people get together and they do something that gives them joy together, I really encourage you to do that. It's a nice thing to do and it will bring that joy into your life that then gives a little lift to your capacity to be present for your husband, to be aware of how you feel, to take the next step towards bringing joy and purpose and meaning into your life. So that, my friend, is how to get out of a limerent relationship. There's, I wish there, you know, I think we all wish there was some answer. It's like, there's some magic words you say and then they understand and the whole relationship shifts, but it doesn't, it just, it is what it is. I hate that phrase, but I just mean that it, it is this way. You have these feelings for somebody you can't have. And those feelings are unlikely to go away so long as he's in your life and you still won't be able to have him. And that's a very sad, soul-sucking reality to be living in. So I encourage you to do what you can to cut it off and um, honor what it is it brought up in you. Limerence brings up a vision of who you might be and go for that. And I know that's like not comforting when you're losing that, when it feels like everything that made your life come into color, you know, just went away. I know it's sad, there's grieving to do, but there is joy to be had, the real joy, the sustainable joy that you give yourself instead of trying to get that happiness from other people. Ha other people do bring happiness, but it's impossible for them to make you happy when you don't have that core happiness. And that's, you know, that trauma-shaped hole that's in your heart there. And you can work on that. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.